0: Welcome to the Bilge Pumps, where a bunch of naval geeks spout off.
1: The recording has begun.
2: Well hey. So, hello everyone and welcome to episode 42. Now this might well be a bit of a Douglas, Ammon, a Douglas Adams themed um, session. It might well be. Uh, I'm not going to mention anything, but I will say thank you for all the fish. It's always appreciated. Mm -hmm. Uh, Today we are joined by the usual crew because the guest we had hoped to be here hasn't managed to be here. So we do apologize. The curse has struck again. We've, we, at, at some point, we we are now being cruel to the guests we invite because there's so so many weird things happen in their lives which stop them getting this. And uh, a get actually coming on here? It's becoming cruel. The curse um, of the village. I, I I don't know what's going on here, but could someone please contact a priest or a pastor, whichever does the exorcisms? Mm-hmm. Um. Now, on the other front, today I am joined by well, of course, me. I'm always joined by me. Unfortunately, I can't get rid of me. It's terrible. But uh, we have Dragonafel, who is, well, slightly worse aware wear for his food experiments. And nice. Jamie from our Armoured Carriers, who is slightly worse aware wear from the what-if discussions that were going on before this. <laughs> <laughs> and today's topics are, broadly speaking, the integrated review and in the Tilt to Pacific and what the British can actually do if we're out there, but also a general discussion of what's been going on in the world of naval affairs because Singapore, of course, has launched their uncrewed uncrewed surveillance patrol vessel. And honestly, we've got a lot of random stuff we're going to probably working you, in.
0: I, I spotted that one from um, Sal uh, talking about converting the, um, the fast uh, transports into hospital ships. Uncrewed, unmanned. So,
2: (laughs) I'm not sure if I'd. If I was a hospital, a hospital ship is probably going to have doctors and nurses and and those sort of medical professionals aboard. I'm fairly sure you, if you, you could do one which was minimally crude, to the extent to which the doctors or nurses, especially if they were already naval personnel, could man the bridge. If that (laughs) makes sense, and you know, or crew the bridge sandwiches.
0: I don't know. I'll have to I'll have to read that one a bit more closely. Yeah,
2: that's fun. That's uh,
0: fun. I'm but not sure I'm not sure I'm not sure if you really can guide a ship with a scalpel.
2: If you put a scalpel in there instead of the joystick, then they can you know can they can feel like they're guiding with a st- You could have the most micromanaged and micro controlled ship known to <laughs> mankind.
0: What would be really
2: fun is if you had someone actually remote controlling it from a land base a long way away or a nearby aircraft carrier who had a camera on the the bridge watching the surgeon try and steer the ship by scalpel. And we're just going, right then, whichever way you go, the ship's going the opposite way. We're (sighs) in the middle of the ocean. It doesn't matter.
0: (laughs) What could possibly go wrong.
2: And just watch the surgeon grow more and more frustrated. Because I've never met and a surgeon. I, I, surgeons are lovely people. Please don't take. Please don't say take this wrong. Um, we'll probably also be some point discussing why the Chinese chose a la- uh, Actually, accepted Alaska as a place to be at the front a diplomatic meeting at some point as well. But um, I, I have never met a surgeon who hasn't got a healthy ego, let's say, or a small. <laughs> some people might even describe it as a minor god complex. Uh, so, having one of them being suitably frustrated would be quite funny.
0: <laughs> not, not if you're at the other
2: end of their scalpel. Yes. No, but that's the thing. The ship controls are being at the other end of the scalpel, not another human being. Oh, so
0: integrated review. It's a nice name. They, they, they keep coming up with great names for these things.
2: Oh yeah, the the British. I wonder how British. much that costs uh oh no that's just what the product of having a lot of people who have double thirst in something and something from oxford and cambridge in your civil service does
0: well, i was gonna say i wonder how many extra harpoons that would buy
1: mm. i'm sure many much money was spent on the consultation to decide on the name in fact there was probably a, there was probably a, a lot of money spent on the consultation to look at the possibilities of hosting a consultation to decide on the committee <laughs> that would decide on issuing the uh, contract uh,
0: and which would all be thrown out at the last minute because it didn't get past the the um the cabinet hmm. so. are,
2: that not every not every uk government institution is as weird as croydon some no, a get, lot of them are worse some, yes uh, but some <laughs> do merely get past with two layers of consultation
0: um, the consultation we, we, just need, to, we need to build bypasses. We need to build bypasses,
2: that's, that's true. But there's only so many places you can bypass.
0: No, <laughs> <laughs> you can bypass the bypass
2: exactly. Yeah, oh,
0: yeah. I, so, I, I, I what's, we, what's me and Brack,
2: by- of course, live in a town which is, um, has actually bypass? decided. It won't have a bypass because that would that would denude the high streets so much. So if you ever drive through Epsom, you immediately get
0: gridlocked because there isn't a bypass. (laughs) Okay. so what's been bypassed in the British defence budget? Um, Probably the army, (laughs) which sounds terrible to say. But no, the
2: army have suffered because there seems to be quite a heavy focus by this government. And I don't see it being abandoned time soon by any successive governments on build British. And the trouble is the army for years was quite at the head of the things because of Afghanistan and Iraq and those commitments. So it kind of had a lot of success and a lot of urgent operational requirement procurements. So it's got a very big hodgepodge of vehicles, which he's trying to sort out. It's got a massive logistics, which it's trying to sort out. It's got personnel issues, which it's trying to get sort out. And it's suddenly now trying to make its case. And in nicest way, there was something interesting about this integrated view in SESR. In that, you know, for the last few years, the Navy and the RAF, you know, in the last couple of decades, have usually spent most of the periods taking pot shots out of each other. And so they've destroyed the the finest
0: finest tradition here
2: and then the army's gone in this time the navy and the RAF sort of combined and have been working together because of carrier strike because of far east because of various commitments and have been working together and the army didn't seem to have a game plan for how to deal with the scenario of the air force and the navy actually presenting a united front or a semi-united front and so the army appears to have come off quite badly. In fact, all the reports generally state that the army's um, plans were sent back two, three, or possibly even four times to the army to basically told rewrite and make this presentable because this isn't intelligible to man nor beast, let alone the very very smart people who are actually going to who are being paid to review this, who are external consultants.
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> because of course they are. You can't do anything without external consultants these days.
2: And they, they put a professor. Were they King Russian? College, no, no, not, no, but they put a. De- they got a very good. One of the very good professors from King's College London was put in charge of writing it and writing it. So we're going to see how that comes through the integrated review. But it was an interest. It's been an interesting thing for the navy, as I think I was talking about. I've talked about before with both of you. I was unsurprised at the F-35 being stopped at 48 for the moment for this parliament. I think i told you before that... It's 48 having an order by the end of this parliament. They have this made decision. They're not ordering any warrant amount. And the reason they're not ordering any more is because, A, they can buy in afterwards in the next parliament if they want to. They can order some then. And they will probably order some then. But it's working out how many you're going to get. And people are going, oh, it's Tempest, Tempest, Tempest. They're the saving money for Tempest. Actually, there is another program. And this is the thing which is actually more relevant to naval aviation, I think fits with the recent cats and traps discussions and all those things been going on. And that is the loyal wingman. And that is the thing. The, the idea is, you know, you should actually wait a bit, see how the loyal wingman program's going. And if that's good enough, you want to buy them rather than more F-35s. So Britain's going, we can afford to do this, the F-35 program because it is an ongoing program. We are not at the tail end of a program. It's supposed to be going on for another few decades of ordering. We can afford to order. Plus, in the nicest way, if you wait a bit longer, the amount of upgrades get included. uh, uh, Upgrades keep getting grandfathered into the new designs. It's great. You don't have to pay for them until you put in later. You might.
0: You might actually be able to buy an operational version of the aircraft. Shh. (laughs) Look, U.S. Marine Corps have been claiming they've been operational for years. Uh, uh, Ioc. Ioc initial operational capability not operational capability it's initial (laughs) yeah which means it flies but we don't know what else it does yeah do you want to know
2: something worse jamie
0: what there isn't just ioc in the books okay there is ioc
2: oc and then aoc aoc do I want to know? Advanced, advanced operational capability. Ah, okay.
0: And that, and that that's when they hang the fluffy dice off the uh, the rearview mirror, is it?
2: Uh, I, I have no <laughs> idea. Uh, also while we're talking about new, new products all these things, I have been uh, someone has written a lovely email into just uh, Simsec to correct me. Apparently the Zumwalt class, which I was te- say were supposed to uh, were planned with the rail guns, weren't planned originally rail guns. No, they were gonna have the advanced gun system originally, which was perfectly manageable. Then someone put in the idea of the rail guns, which then became unmanageable. They reverted to the advanced gun system, and suddenly they're considered a failure. Now, I don't consider, to be honest, this does actually, I feel, backs up the point I was making even more. Because the point I was making was they're a perfectly good ship, and they've got very good systems. Just the one system which was supposed to be the really, really prima donna bit didn't work, and, did, and they haven't managed to put it in because they managed to crack the power generation for it. Now we learn that this pi- this uh, piece of equipment was actually something which wasn't even originally in the spec. And yeah. you sit there and go, that's just even crueler on these ships, okay? Mm-hmm. That is like it's, judging. It's also a
0: shame. It's also a shame they didn't get their radar. So
2: yeah, you know. Well, no, but but getting getting back to the the things. Um the ne- the royal navy's lost a bit in that they've lost the minesweepers but you always knew they were going to go and they're going to be slowly phased out anyway we- so what are you going to replace- what are you- how are you going to sweep mines with the same way we've been talking about doing it for ages we're going to bu- uh, we've got a whole load of offboard systems on um, crew system which are going onto the um, frigates why do you think the frigates have all been built with these huge
0: mission bays we're not putting in mission base for the hell of it. Excuse the French. Okay, so so now the so the so this global Britain um, force will now have to hang around close to your harbors to keep them free of mines.
2: No, that's OPVs or land-based. You that's the good thing about the mo- middle, mushroom uh, the mission modules. They can be uh, posted from land. They can be put in a bay class. They can be put in. Uh, a frigate. They can be put in whatever the Type 32 frigates, which will basically be Type 31s. The next batch, to be honest, with you, that's been pretty much confirmed. um They can be moved around wherever they need to go, and this, that's. Uh, in, in fact, the RAF has literally justified keeping as much of the various air transport fleet as they are have, in part by being able to rapidly deploy raw navy modules where they need to be in the world. And you sit there and go. How these times have changed.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you sure, uh, sure, sure that there's not a plan in there somewhere for them to get the Vulcan back? Uh,
2: the RAF would love to get the Vulcan back, but at the moment they're trying to get the Tempest through and into service. And the Tempest is really basically the Royal Navy has got a load of programs which employ British workers. And the RAF has the Tempest, which employs British workers um the army has the ajax and the boxers which sort of employ british workers and do employ a lot of british workers they do in wales and they do in various other places uh but the trouble is the army's programs have been let's put it this way i wouldn't say the royal navy or raf programs are less international in reality they are probably about the same but the thing is they're less visibly international that's the thing is the ship is assembled and built in Britain, uh, technically in Scotland. Uh, the ship's, uh, the uh, Air Tempest is talked of as the British program. Yes, we've got allies involved already, but it's the British program. The, 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 the trouble is with Boxer is it's well known that Britain left it after being one of the original partners because it decided to have and a whole new idea. And by the way, if anyone wants to see a good ex- a good story, a good history of the British and the attempts to record uh, to procure a new eight x eight APC, I think Defence has a whole massive saga. And I, when I when I say it's massive saga, I mean literally there is so much there; it is a saga. It is not. A mere history. It is not mere accounting events. It is a full-on Norse mythological saga of stories. The only thing that's missing is he ha- is Think Defence hasn't composed some bards and music to go with it. So Think Defence, that's your challenge from Pumps. Mm-hmm. Uh, music to go with your music um, to go with your sagas because they are. It's a really full account. And if you haven't read it, please do go and read it. And basically the British just keep getting cold feet and going, Oh, but there's new shiny over there and if we wait a bit longer we can get new shiny. It's
1: the magpie genes.
2: Yeah, (laughs) God, help me. And that explains also why Warrior versus Um the um Oh it's is it the A C nine
1: no. A S ninety.
2: AS-90, uh, not the AS-90, the... Um, CV-90. Oh, CV-90, uh, not the CV-90, the boats, the... The, the, the little mini-tank. The mini-tank that does everything, and um, CV-90? Mm. Yeah, I think it's CV-90. Why do all these things have 90 in them? AS-90, CV-90, what, what is it with the fence manufacturers that well, are going, it has to have 90 back,
0: in"? That's because back in the 90s, everything was a 1,000. Ah. <laughs> Everything was something rather one thousand back in the nineties, so now that we're in the thousands, everything's got to be nineties. Mm. Give me makes sense. sense. <laughs> but
2: now, um, I have to say, the thing I the thing I'm most annoyed about that they've parked and I think the thing which will be probma- uh, will be most problematic long term, is they've talked about having to make global staffs, etc. But they haven't yet started saying which service is going to be responsible for which theatre staff, and I think that's the only way you're going to get these staffs properly run and properly efficient is if you make them yes joint, but and this is going to sound strange, but they're they're sort of the responsibility of one service to make sure it's run. It's that they're sort of they're joint. But they are also under the. How do I put this? Uh, there is a service which, if they're fecking up, is responsible and will get notter. Will get bashed on the head.
0: So there is one head wouldn't, of the Wouldn't it make sense to give it all to the army since they're missing out on the uh, the shiny toys?
2: Well, that could be one option actually <laughs> to get rid to, to give the army jobs for all their brigadiers. But um, I have a sad thinking that the trouble is, especially in the Far East, that's going to have to be a joint navy RN one, uh, a joint navy RAF one, because, well, they're going to be the ones providing most of the assets out there. Uh, the army will.
0: Isn't that the perfect reason not to give it? Give them command.
2: The trouble is when everyone else brings an admiral to the table and expects you to understand, actually, to see. Having a brigadier who is very, very good at knowing how to move infantry and armor around the plains of northern Europe, or the deserts of the Middle East, or the high tundra of Afghanistan, might not be that helpful. <laughs>
0: um All right. uh, You know. As, uh, as, so as, I so think- now so now we can say that the army is the Cinderella service.
2: Well, not really, because if you consider, if you go into the integrated review, Africa is mentioned almost more than anywhere else in the world. And if I was the army, I would be making hay out of that one. And because they're already present in Africa all over the place doing trading missions. And I'll be ramping that up and saying, right, then we'll be the Africa service. We'll be the And if you consider the issues which America is having, NATO's having with their current. Relationships with African nations, with trying to balance China there and all that sort of thing. The fact that the British army is quite as successful in Africa as it is, and I know people won't like that because of the imperial past and all that, and I do know that that's the joy of history. There is actually history and it's shitty. Excuse the French again. But the fact is, the British army has the connections. So many of those people trained at sat officers of those various forces trained at Sandhurst. It's absurd, and still do train at Sandhurst. You might as well use that. You've got that. Use it. But now I've spoken for way too long, so I'm going to drink some Iron <laughs> Brew and let Drack and Jamie take over. I think.
0: No, I know. <clears throat> well, I, I don't know enough about the, um, the the British Review, I'm afraid, to um, to say well, too
2: the- much. The current debate that's going on is over the phrase of tilt to the Far East.
0: So not a pivot.
2: No, but that makes sense because the British aren't going to send everything over there. uh,
1: What's your engineer's perspective on the difference between a tilt and a pivot? Um, A tilt is undesirable because it usually means something's become horrifically unstable. (laughs) a pivot suggests there was actually some forethought in it (laughs) uh-oh actually but that's a pivot a pivot suggests suggests a well thought out rotation that was planned and is occurring around a point tilt is usually found in in phrases like this building used to be upright however it has developed a tilt (laughs) Not Put a note. pivot. It's yeah. sure. note, run away. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, but you see, actually, I would argue that makes more sense actually than that sounds for the British perspective. Because if you consider what's happened over the last 20, 30 years, we pretty much withdrew drew almost completely from the Far East. We were occasionally there. And you could almost say a tilt is now correcting because. We're remembering it is a global world. We are a globally dependent economy. We are dependent upon global trade. We are dependent on all these things happening across the world. We do have allies and connections. And in nicest ways, the era of the strongly worded note, as Draconafel is so keen to say, is over. And... Therefore, now it's come back to that dictum, which I like to use, which is. If you ain't there, you don't count. And presence matters, therefore presence matters. You're either there or you're not there at the table. You will not have any power if you're not actually there. You will not have any influence if you're not actually there. It doesn't matter the size of the force. If it's a carrier battle group you can deploy occasionally, that's great. But that's not really being there. Having a frigate there constantly and the ability to deploy a carrier battle group occasionally, that is being there. And that's exactly what the French do. That's what so many other European powers do. And suddenly you've got people going over it going, oh, it's Britain being imperial and this and that and that. You're sort of going, have you not seen the global economy? Have you please go into your house and turn over how many things are made in China or made in Thailand or made in Japan. This is where the global economy it goes around the world. You have ideas, you have various things and some stuff manufactured in Europe, but it also goes to Africa. It goes from Africa to China to the far East, from the far East to back to the UK. It goes all round the world. The trade is moving. You, If you're dependent on this global trade, you have
1: to be there and now i've definitely main, talked about the, the main problem the main problem i have with it is not so much the general idea of it because the, even going back as as far as the mid 19th century historically the royal navy thanks to politics and partly thanks to inertia has had a problem at various points of should we say deploying to certain areas more based on tradition than any actual need for the ships to be there um so back in back in the 1870s you had whole squadrons deploying to areas that hadn't seen any kind of major issues for decades like there there were people who'd on those ships who hadn't been born when the last major problem um had occurred in that area but simultaneously you had a bunch of other places which could really 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 use a lot of royal navy presence to enforce the peace and keep down pirates but they only had a frigate or two on station because well back in 1815 we'd only needed a frigate or two on station there and it was going to stay that way because reasons and then you even see that in um in in world war one the the loss of Aboukir, hogan cressy afterwards well before and afterwards people are questioning why are they even deployed in on that in that area and the response it, there's no tactical reason to have three obsolete armored cruisers um at that latitude in the north sea the only reason given is we've always had a squadron there and people just thought well therefore we must still have a squadron there which doesn't actually pan out as it turns out when you know everything has changed and I think simil- similarly now, you, we've got a situation where the Royal Navy's its deployments have changed somewhat. But if you look at uh, most of the Royal Navy's deployments, they're still quite reflective of the late Cold War, early 90s geopolitical situation. Um, I mean, let's face it. Yes, the Russians are building some rather interesting new ships. And yes, the Gorshkovs are and the refitted um, Kirovs are probably something to keep an eye on, but realistically, you, you you're going to have a very hard job selling me on the idea that we're going to be in a conflict with Russia before we're going to be in a conflict with China. Um. So, yeah, de- deploying to have to keep a better eye on China makes a lot of sense. But and also you have the idea that also and this and this comes up occasionally. I try and explain to
2: all is what are the odds that if you end up in a conflict with one, the other one will pile in or will start acting up? That's yeah. the thing you get. Russian, y- y- the,
1: the Russians, I think, will quite happily sit back and watch the, both sides tear each other to pieces, and then pick on the winner if they yeah. they think the winner is weak enough. Yeah. But the, but the thing is, the, the the one thing that worries me about this this whole idea is that. you're and we've discussed this this element before as well your deterrence is only as good as your credibility and with the best will in the world saying we're going to do a tilt towards china or towards the pacific but let's face it that means towards china it, even though the royal navy is getting a few more ships it really is a little bit meaningless this this isn't the 19th century we're not going to be turning up with the modern equivalent of the nemesis and scaring the chinese into submission the chinese navy especially if we go over into the western pacific dash indian ocean is going to have an awful lot more ships there the only way and yeah okay you can argue technology quality etc but there's only so much that that can make up in the face of a very large numbers of ships. And as we've discussed before, it's not like the Chinese aren't able to build technologically advanced ships anyway. So in my view, if you're going to, if you're going to do this tilt, if we want to call it that, you need to actually be serious about it. And that might be
2: one who thinks the word tilt was chosen because they didn't want to use the word pivot.
1: Uh, yeah, to be honest, if they, 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 so, if, they
2: did,
0: if they did, if they chose Tilt for that reason, they didn't pay the consultancy group enough to come up with a better word. But mm-hmm. what are the other options they could have gone with?
1: Invest in the Navy for once. The thing that annoys me
2: is the, I do agree with invest in the Navy. You're never going to get me argue against that one.
1: Redeployment.
2: Uh, <laughs> redeployment would have been good, but that
1: sounds wary. Yes, that is the point of a navy. Yeah, uh, but they're politicians. have the you to... not looked at what the Royal Navy's motto is recently?
2: No, they don't. Want... That's worry as well. That's definitely not PC. That's definitely not uh, That's definitely not politically correct. Uh, that's too worry. Okay, come on, let's come with. What would be the better phrase? Come on, let's think. We don't want to go with tilt. Reinforce. Uh, return.
0: Reinfor- no, Return's got colonial compli- uh, yeah. uh, implications, which um, you know, I, for one, as an Australian, would would really rather not have um, <laughs> you guys back in control again.
2: <laughs> you sure? We're very pleased. Yes. <laughs> we come with a leader who has a full head of hair and a queen.
0: <laughs> yeah, but he doesn't know how to use a brush. Who cares? He's got a full <laughs> head of hair. Well, if he can't use a brush, how can he use any other piece of equipment? That's been invented since the Stone Age. <laughs>
2: actually, you know the fun thing—he actually mucked his there up to be like, look
1: like that. I know, of course, he does. Anyway, um, yeah, but yeah, I, I, it, I, I largely see it as a meaningless gesture. But largely on the point of what's the it, effectively, we've ended up in a reverse situation of the 19th century. In the 19th century, if the Royal Navy showed up somewhere everyone took it seriously and the Royal Navy could be very condescending if someone else showed up with their Navy and just be like yes yes okay that's very cute you've turned up with your ships what are you going to actually try doing Um, because we're just going to say no the Royal Navy showing up in the Western Pacific these days is basically going to find that situation flipped on its head because even if we show up with a QE okay at the moment if we show up with a QE battle group we can probably lord it a little bit over the Chinese because, let's face it, the and Shandong are not uh, not nearly equivalent. But the Chinese can turn up with an awful lot more ships, period, very large destroyer action groups. And in a few years, when the Type 003s are completed, which will probably be around about the time they actually get around to doing this whole tilt or whatever we're calling it these days, um, they can then show up with a carrier battle group with a carrier of equivalent or greater size and with uh, escort a much larger escort group and they can do the whole condescending, descending ha what are you actually going to do about it um
2: well, you see the aspect. thing i
1: the thing i see is i and i do point this out is
2: you again you need to need to be present to have an impact at all
1: and the thing is i, yeah, think, but, I mean a, bug, having a, a th- bug hitting your windshield has an impact it's yeah, not necessarily I, I, one that does have any particular note.
2: Yeah, but I think having a frigate present, especially if it is a Type 31 and maybe an OPV present, get, is kind of like the frigate and the OPV present in the Gulf. <coughs> it's the kind. It's the British going, we're here, we're part of the futures, we are here for our allies, we can exercise with them regularly, and if we need to do things, especially in the terms of the Grey War, because... You see, the thing is, I, we, we've looked at Iran doing this thing where they've been trying to take ships hostage and actually did manage to take a ship hostage and then found that actually what they'd taken hostage wasn't what the hostages they'd wanted. Because instead of getting a load of British crew, they didn't. Uh, and, and I just went, oh, uh, and really, the poor Iranians were at sort of the point going, this global flag of convenience system for ships really is confusing. And what are you doing? Um, but leaving that to one side, the thing is with Grey War, and I, I see this as potentially haven't We've been talking about the idea of China possibly ramming ships and designing ships around ships. We haven't considered them possibly weaponizing piracy. We were talking about it to an extent last week with our very nice guest, Scott Abel, talking about the South China Sea. But the thing is, what happens if? the Chinese start using their fishing fleet for more than just harassment of warships or denuding the world of of fish. You know, that's the thing. Do we need to start... This is the point about having a presence. And then let's say a Australian ship does the freedom of navigation operations or, free, uh, you know, that sort of thing. A British frigate, the British frigate could go with it. And it would be a case of we're standing there as well. And yes, I don't see us turning up in a 19th century way and being as powerful as we used to be. The government's just not going to invest the money and the time to develop that kind of firepower and that kind of force. But I do see us being able to support allies and being a very useful support of allies, because whilst the Royal Navy isn't as big as it used to be, there are very few people who doubt the quality of its professionalism when it comes to operations and capabilities now there are have been occasional issues but people very few people would doubt the quality of its training and the quality of its personnel if they did they'd probably be in for a rude shock so i think as an addition to allies it's quite important to be out there and because the point is it helps preserve stability hopefully that's the idea you know you turn up all your friends (laughs) the problem is that they've that got to
1: have those friends there's got to be a unified idea of what on earth we're actually doing out there and yeah the, if you if you if you get the Australian Navy the New Zealand Navy various other navies on site I'm sure the Americans will probably be quite happy to see us around then yes there is a there is a an objective to be served there but it, it, I think it, it's kind of cart before the horse if you so why are we there? Who are we cooperating with? Who are our friends? Do we have a plan? Do we know what we actually want to do? Um,
2: well, in, if you look through, no, the, no, I
1: haven't seen any of the any documents or any tactics or strategies or thoughts that actually reflect that aspect of things.
2: Actually, looking through Not, the integrated review, I think what it is focusing in is on Australia, Singapore, New Zealand, Japan, yeah, South Korea. That? It seems to be, because if you consider, look, while we've been doing it, while this has been going on, who have we been signing deals with? Who have we been signing trade deals with, negotiating with? If you look at consider, if you go through that list of nations and you go through the list of where we've been announcing during this progress, trade deals, ne- integra- various weapons projects and all these things, with, that's basically the list of nations. So we've been doing, some, it, there has been some joined up thinking going on. I, there hasn't been a whole document published announcing and explaining that. And I honestly don't think it ever would be. But if you consider what's been going on from the trade dem- department, with the trade deals they've been announcing in those countries, and then you go through this and you talk about they talk about the friends in that area, and then you talk, listen to what they're talking about, what the ship's going to be doing, it very much starts to fit and you start to go right then so there is an overall document and this at certain points must have passed off someone and it does it's making that sort of sense but it's not going to be published because if they publish that sort of document it's going to sound strange but it's going to be immediately be latched onto by various people both foreign and domestic to attack it and to try and undermine it and The British are many things, but they aren't that stupid. They don't tend to publish anything unless they
0: have to. Well, that's one of the reasons why your archives are so hard to get into. Yes. (laughs) Yes, it is. Um, But, yes, look, you know, I I guess what I was saying earlier, yeah, actually, I suppose we could probably handle um, British rule once again, just so long as you change our currency back to rum. Mm -hmm. Okay. um, uh, otherwise, so
2: nothing. That, that's the cost of getting the Australians back under the flag, changing the currency to rum. We can deal this. <laughs> That'd
1: be very. But, yeah, look, you know, I, I
0: guess, I guess from from over here, you know, the, the perspective is this: you know, the the more pebbles that vote, the more it looks like a, a landslide, you know, or it looks mm. like an avalanche. And you know, it, the Queen Elizabeth coming over here is coming over here with, you know, um, U.S. And European ships as part of its group, hmm. and um, I guess you know at, at the at the baseline level, it means that we haven't been forgotten. You know that the that the um, United Nations rule of law, law of the sea does actually still sort of hold a little bit of um, uh, meaning in uh, some some nations, even though they might not want to apply it to their um, um, islands in the Indian Ocean. Um, you know, these, these are, um, yeah, I, I guess it just means... To be it's, honest,
2: it's... we've been ignoring the United Nations for a long time. because yeah, According it's, to it's, them, it's, the Falkland it's... Islanders, don't, opinions of the Falkland Islanders don't count. And what matters <laughs> is a potential group which may or may not have been on there several hundred years ago, a couple hundred years ago. Uh, uh And they're not even sure who they are and where they are from and what where they live. So, you know, it, it's an interesting time because there was they and had I'm, a sure point that,
0: I'm sure that i'm sure the chinese feel exactly the same way about the south china sea so yes. you know this this my point Why being do you is think that
2: britain doesn't tend to like uh, <laughs> get into that fighting that's the particular matter we leave oh, yeah, I mean, to
0: get into that battlefield <clears throat> theoretically you know, you, you know the united states doesn't either it says it doesn't care about who owns the land masses it's about it's a matter of um self-determination ma- t- maintaining the uh, the, the freedom of, of, of navigation for any and all ships, whether they be merchants that or America's
2: nav- leaving Guam statehood for when they need to really wind
0: up the Chinese. Well you see the, the thing about America is that they haven't actually signed the Law of the Sea, so they've actually yeah. got an excuse. So And Britain- the, the Britain
2: hosts <laughs> the United Nations Maritimes Committee.
0: <laughs> yes. So yeah you, it's
2: it's it's if anyone As wants I it There is this strange building in central London which has literally got a ship's bow coming out of the side of it. Do not ask me why. Someone thought that was a good idea. You're you're walking down the street and going, why is there a bow sticking out towards me?
0: Someone someone paid an external consultancy group a lot of money for that idea. Thank you very much. No,
2: it was the nineteen forties, fifties. It was built. That it wasn't an external consultancy group. It was some bright spark who was elite, or in charge of it, had the idea.
0: It was
1: just it's a spare barrel they had lying around, as you do. Yeah, left over from the war. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it wasn't. But, but, yeah, but, but again, yeah, sorry, getting back to what I'm saying. We're getting distracted once again on our round.
1: <laughs> but um,
0: the point is, is that as you like to say, it's real politic. It's these are you know, the presence of your ship's gunboat diplomacy means that you have a diplomatic presence in the area. You have an interest in the area and you have a tripwire in the area. And being a ship, it means you can put that tripwire where you want it to be. So, um, you know, France has got tripwires here. If Britain's got tripwires here, if, you know, uh, the Netherlands have got tripwires here. Um, all of a sudden you have a whole host of tripwires which could give you know anyone cause for pause because all of a sudden it's no longer just a a little local spat it's not just about the philippines it's not just about mm. vietnam it's not just about taiwan it's not just about japan it's not just about indonesia it's not just about singapore all of a sudden it's involving those extensive global trade networks you were just talking about And um, you can only hope that that
1: gives intelligent people cause
0: for pause. Hmm.
1: I mean, I I, I say I support the idea in principle. It's just without a clear and coherent strategy, I worry that there's just not the teeth to back it up. You get another ABDA. Yeah, that's that's the big problem. That's actually a very good point. ABDA is a, classic example of quick big scary threat none of us have enough uh, forces in the area to deal with it let's all band together and be friends and and deal with it and then it turns out that doesn't actually work i mean the 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 whole reason nato exists is because they realize that that kind of strategy and thinking wouldn't work and you needed to train together you needed to have at least some commonality of equipment before people start shooting each other um so Sorry, i mean if, if is, if is that's an argument for visiting surely well, it's, an, it's an argument for something i guess the old CETO bring bringing that back or five um, power well yeah but something something that shows that there is actually thinking and teeth behind it because just just showing up mm-hmm. isn't going to do enough at this point it might have done enough 10-15 years ago when the Chinese navy was considerably smaller and less capable um, but it's I don't think it's it's adequate now without a lot more thought put into the whole process um, and and basically I think if they if they want if they want to um, if they want to get a what would you call it if they want to get a if they want to get a force that actually matters and will actually make China somewhat worried about ticking off the Royal Navy without the Royal Navy having to go, well, we're very annoyed with you and we'll come back and get you the minute we have one of our friends come to back us up. It means you've got to invest in the Navy. And this is a point we've I mean, this is a point I've discussed in my videos, a point we've discussed on here multiple times. Yeah your deterrent force is only as good as the amount of money you invest in a navy you cannot sit there and pretend to be a credible deterrent force if you don't put the money where your mouth is you, you so, can't sit there with half a dozen destroyers in a, against a navy that's got dozens and say we are going to deter you because that navy will just laugh in your face and
0: but
2: you're getting a couple
1: of dozen extra nukes aren't you
2: yeah, but let, let's go back to something which is, yeah, let's not get off on the nukes at the moment. Because the nukes is very, it, it is, there's lots of people talking about nukes, and you sit there go. have you not been bothering to read the actual documents going around the nucleus?" Because the reason it's going up is because we're going to be transitioning to a second, a new class of ballistic missile summary, at the same time as we're going to be transitioning warheads to the new generation of warheads. So, of course, you're going to have to make the stockpile bigger because while you're going to you're going to have to be you don't want to send a submarine to sea without a complete set of the same warhead type. You don't want to have mixed warheads on us on on the boat. So, you know, it's. It's it's of course, it's going to have to go up. There are perfectly logical. Management of the stockpile reasons, it's going to have to go up, it's not. Britain talking we're going to be bigger or massive in the world, whatever Gump goes on as being doing and addressing it,
0: it's literally, it's just about, oh,
2: we need you're to need have... The same, we,
0: you're going to need the same number of the new model as you had of the old model while you're transitioning transitioning from the old model to the new model. Basically. Well, basically so, you're
2: going to need an, an extra submarine's worth of the old of the new model before we can start transitioning to it. And, you know, that, and the trouble is when you run such a, things on such a small stockpile you don't have slack in it so britain runs the smallest pair down stock stockpile it can i think it's the smallest of any of the declared nuclear powers um and there's even rumors it's smaller than the uh, smaller than the um israeli one (laughs) yeah um but that's that that that's why it's having to be done but i think okay let's talk about this because we're we're talking about a frigate presence. Now, I would often argue that we need a frigate presence in the forward base in the Falklands for similar reasons of dealing with the South Pacific and South Atlantic and being able to wander around into the Antarctic, etc. I think it would be sensible to have one, considering I, I consider that area going to be critical in the next 30 to 40 years, if not 50 to 60 years as well. But what I would point out is so we we want to uh, we want to do it cheap, but we want to have a, a credible presence there. Well, the thing you could do was be get a uh, get an attack sub deployed out there and deploy an attack submarine. Because if you had an attack submarine as well, one of the astutes as well as one of the frigates in the area, that is a credible presence. Because let's be honest, yes, we have a lot more, but we can di- yes we can probably beat your surface ship. That's not going to worry us but then your submarine could take out quite a lot of us.
0: and Let's face it, the nuclear attack subs these days are the modern capital ships, aren't they? Yes. So the trouble it's it's is the equivalent, Britain, to, it's equivalent of a Prince of Wales and a Repulse. The trouble
2: is for Britain is you cannot build more of those whilst also building the SSBNs. We'd have to delay the Dreadnought programme if we were going to build more astutes. We're not going to do that. So therefore, you need to come up with a way to free up your astutes. So, in nicest way, you sit there and go, right then. We're trying to build. We're building an uncrewed SSK as our extra long-range uncrewed underwater vehicle. Basically, it's an uncrewed SSK, and you sit and you sit there and go, yes, that's lovely, and that's fine probably for supporting operations in the Gulf off a bay class. And maybe we can support it out of a bay, uh, use it from a a forward base in the Falklands to patrol the Falklands Islands. And uh, maybe we could even use it in the UK as some sort of protection in the UK, maybe for mines sweeping in the UK underwater. But um, the thing is, that's not going to really free up the SSNs that much. It's not going to free up the astute that much. So what you have to start going is, how do we, what can Britain do to enable itself to free up an an astute to keep one constantly on patrol in the Far East? Or at least likely to be on patrol in the Far East. That's the question. And Rent Rent a few from France? No, French SSNs are notoriously weird. They tend to have a lot more alcohol in their submarines, even the
0: British do, these days. (laughs) All right. Drac, any ideas? For for their torpedoes?
2: (laughs) I I think it's good. I I think the
1: options will be unpalatable. I think people won't like... I, I, uh, I just keep coming back to this idea of if you want to be a global power, the Royal Navy is a global naval power against almost everybody, with the exception in terms of Navy, with the exception, in terms of navies, who might realistically end up going up against, as opposed to our allies, um, of China and maybe Russia in certain certain theatres, because you can deploy, as we know, we can you can deploy pretty much the entire Royal Navy to um, mm. most to parts of the world. But the problem is, it's all very well being a a global power that can take on almost anybody except China when you then go and try and deter and take on China <laughs> just, that that is the single biggest issue to me at which point as I've said you you need to you need to have a credible force if if they want to do this then unless we're basically just going to be U.S. Navy auxilia, which is not really a a position you want to be in, I think. If you're, if you're, if you're a navy with a tradition, oh, well, we've been force... that for ages. Yeah, yeah but well, the, the <laughs> Falklands shows that you can. The, the Falklands <laughs> at least showed the Royal Navy had the capability of going and doing something, even when the Americans didn't want us to. Um,
0: mm. and I suppose where... you say the same about Timor here. You know. Uh... Yeah,
1: but but once you get much beyond that, you're like going up going up against china let's face it we're going to either be u.s navy auxilia or dead one of those two um and if you don't want to be in one of those two positions you have to have a bigger navy and if you're going to have a bigger navy that means someone's got to put some money into the navy for a change Mm -hmm. i mean there's also a bunch of programs that could be far 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 better managed but
2: uh, we, are we talking about an aircraft carrier program Which paid for three and a half carriers uh, Ordered two carriers Paid for three and a half carriers And took delivery of two carriers Because someone decided to pay extra, a, a huge amount of money To slow the building of those carriers Yeah there's, To
1: justify, there's also, uh, justify I mean, the, the, cutting the, And I mean the, look, there's all sorts of stupidity like that I mean the Type 26 is The Type 26s could be in service A heck of a lot sooner than they're going to be Oh yeah um they're deliberately being built slow and at great expense because of that simply because some politician decided that they want they don't want to pay for it all in now but they're going to end up paying far more further down the line Um, but it
2: costs takes less out of their yearly budgets at the moment
1: yes and this is the point the yearly budget's too small if you want to if you want to play with the big boys and let's face it china is the second biggest boy on the block and the biggest boy we're ever li- we're likely to actually face off against. You want to play with the big boys. You either have to have a big boy navy, or you have to have a lot of friends, or you have to go home. And that's the point. If you if you don't want to be an auxiliary,
2: and b- believe it or not, you aren't going to get a lot of friends if you try and do it on the cheap. Yes,
1: exactly. If you don't so want to be an auxiliary, you a don't want to be Boy
2: in a private school, you don't get a lot of fr- You don't get a lot of friends on the cheap,
1: mate. You've got to you've got to actually pay for a Navy that can put its foot down. Um, and yeah, that, that's basic. That basically is, it would be my point. You, we need more destroyers, more frigates. Um, two carriers is probably fine for the minute, but we need an ocean replacement. The RFA.
2: replacement, which preferably yeah. are all LHDs and can all also take F-35s. So we, they, have five car- we have five, we have five, flight deck cable vessels
1: that we, we need to replace we need to replace the the various ships the various rfa ships that were stupidly gotten rid of in the mid 2010s We about is doing...
2: bay class which the yeah well i was gonna say australia's doing quite deal. well
1: out of that deal but and we can't exactly we got ask for it back and we've we only do... got one but we do that's
2: 25 need... percent of what we built
1: <laughs> this what was is the easy. what was the one that the,
0: the new zealanders got was that a bay or is it something else
1: no it It looks like a bay Mm. anyway sorry but anyway yeah if if you if you want basically yeah if you want to go and put a navy out there and actually have it be respected by the second biggest navy on the block you've got to be have a credible a credible deterrent and at the moment i don't think outside of grouping up with a bunch of other navies we've got that So So
2: basically, you're saying that's the preferred batch of four type 26s. We need to build the 12, and the time it's going to take us to build the eight currently. And we need to be looking at getting at least seven type 32s, which will be basically the batch two type 31s and giving ourselves 24 escorts before we start building on some government
1: making good on its promises might be a good start and i mean i know we're talking about politicians and particularly british politicians so i'm not going to necessarily hold my breath on that because i'm not suicidal please don't.
2: Uh, please don't i like working with you I, I, honestly me and jamie have just got you <laughs> trained we don't need
1: to try and break in another one but but <laughs> For, it would be a nice start for the british political establishment to sit down and go oh what did we actually say the royal navy could have maybe we should actually give them that because that would i mean just looking at the ships that uh either in service or under construction at the moment even if we ignore the fact we probably should have a third carrier um that would mean an additional six destroyers because the royal navy was originally promised 12 type 45s yeah. so i don't know whether type 47 type 48 i prefer to call it e-class but you know what i mean um we so we need another at least another six destroyers the type 26s were supposed to be like for like replacements of the um type 23s
2: which were originally supposed to be 18 ships
1: yeah but i mean even 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 if even if we go purely with the this is what the um this, this is the Type 23 fleet that we were technically supposed to be replacing at the time the promise was made. That's still 12 ships, not 6. 13, um, isn't it? Well, yeah, 13. You're, on, you're right. So 13 yeah. ships instead of what, 5 or 6 we're getting. Um, Eight, I think just about well, the Type well, 26. We're all in batch keep, 3 and we're getting 5 more off in second batch. They keep changing their minds. It's difficult to keep up. But be- So effectively what we should have is just over a dozen Type 26s. Um, um, a dozen destroyers, and on top of that, there should be the Type Thirty ones and Type Thirty twos as the auxiliaries. Then we probably have a a credible a credible threat to the to have a that to the for the Chinese to then be worried about.
2: I would add on to that. We probably need about a dozen SSNs.
1: Yeah, well, replacing the Trafalgas. Like... Well the the astutes were originally supposed to be Swiftscher replacements, and then yes. the Trafalgas were gonna have a separate replacement program. So yeah, going with that would also probably be a good idea.
2: And let's uh, uh, because, I don't know, Jamie's sitting there going, Oh da yeah yeah yeah. But the, the the thing is that was originally what we were supposed to have. And track is not wrong.
1: Yeah, and yeah. Um, case, uh, yeah. Um, this is the but... problem. This is the problem. This is the like everyone doubted that the Royal Navy could pull off the Falklands. The Royal Navy managed to pull off the Falklands. A lot of people were very surprised by that, but as we've heard from um Julian Thompson, Michael Clappy near run thing. Mm. And that was with that was with a Navy that was basically the the Navy that I've just described, plus we had type 21s and type 22s and HMS Bristol. Um, that was the Navy. I'd so like the Royal Navy promised, have an HMS Bristol equivalent, a modern one. But the, that that was the oh. Navy that was promised to be replaced on a like for like basis. A Navy that everybody considered at the time, even though they turned out to be just about wrong, to be too small to take on Argentina. Um Um, And now we've got a Navy that's less than half that size and somehow we're supposed to take on China. Um, Political logic is not a thing.
2: It really isn't. And long-term thinking isn't. As I said, the only reason I'm mildly hopeful about these all being delivered is because the uh, 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 obsession which has been with these things have to be British built they have to be built in Britain and I cannot imagine a government of any hue coming in and going we're going to cut what's being built in Britain what so many British jobs are depending on especially as considering after post-Brexit post-Covid I can't imagine the economy is going to be fantastic unless there is some support going into it. Mm-hmm. And that is where this procurement does
1: hopefully help. And also coming into the post Brexit Brexit economy, it also has a major bearing on that. Not just because you know pay money to British built for British built ships puts money back into the economy, which is a good thing. Um, British
0: workers employed and, employed, and all, all those things.
1: But buy Australian as, steel. Yeah. Sorry. Well, Chinese the Chinese are. our our steel company looks like it's going to go under anyway so we might end up having to whether we like it or not um but yes uh, that's a completely different set of stupidity people go, oh no we must reduce our carbon impact we must not mine coal and we must we must let the steel company go under it's like well we still need steel so the steel's still going to be produced only now it's going to be shipped halfway across the planet on a ship burning massive amounts of fossil fuels you didn't really think this one through did you you environmentalist muppets no the
2: trouble is they do think it through they just don't think it through to its logical conclusion they just think not in my backyard the trouble is most environmental muppets to use that phrase which mm -hmm. i do enjoy um, I find the ones which are really silly are the ones who are basically NIMBYs dressed up with environmentalism, mm.
1: i.e. not in my backyard. Yeah, they I, don't I, actually
2: think it has to go somewhere.
1: I agree on the idea that, that you, you should reduce also, the carbon footprint. But have it... you
2: ever met one who doesn't have an iPhone, an Apple Watch, Air, mm. AirPods, the whole freaking Apple suite as if Apple... Mm doesn't actually do any environmental damage that is i I, I particularly
1: like the whole i'm i'm against slavery whilst i tweet this from my iphone have you seen the iphone factories recently um
2: yeah
1: but yeah i'm i'm all for making things greener environmentally friendly but i would think that if you, go, if you need steel, um, then you should probably produce it in an area that prov- involves the minimum amount of possible transport. But regardless, that's something of a tangent. Um, the this is bilge pumps as Jamie yeah. has
2: now given up trying to keep us on the topic. But uh, the,
1: the, the larger the larger point of it is that the, this whole everybody now looking at the Pacific is supposed to be about safeguarding trade routes. Britain depends on the global trade network. You cannot have an economy post-Brexit, pre-Brexit, or any other flavour of Brexit without that global trade network being maintained. Therefore, yes, it is in our interests to maintain and protect that global trade network. But to do so, you need to have a credible force with which to do so. So it's kind of a win-win-win situation. You spend money on the local economy, the local economy grows, the Royal Navy is stronger, there's more jobs, and... You protect the global trade network that you need to keep the rest of the economy running. The alternative is you are very parsimonious. You cut the Royal Navy down to under two dozen combat ships. China laughs at you, shuts down the trade network, and now you don't even have the money to pay for those. Congratulations. You just lost because you were too cheap.
2: And let's be honest, here is the big thing I often point out, people. It's a lot cheaper to deter conflict by actually building a credible force than it is to fight an actual conflict or lose without even fighting, because those are your two options. Because that's what happens. If you, uh, it's cheap. You know, we sit there and talk about the Falklands War. Look at all those ships we had to deploy, all those ma- all those lives lost, all those things. Imagine if we'd had, I don't know, a decent-sized garrison in the Falklands. Mount Pleasant built there earlier. I don't know a decent port docking facilities, and uh, hadn't ca- had kept a frigate in presence down there. Had kept some air defence fighters maybe down there, or some surveillance planes. Had kept some uh, a little bit, a couple of companies of troops rather than uh, mere sort of a, a naval party section of poor raw marines who do a gallant job but you know get overwhelmed and actually had that force. Yes, it would have cost more year on year than what we did put down there. But I would hazard a guess that that force wouldn't have cost even over a century, over 200 years, as much as it cost to fight that war, especially not when you start to factor in the lives lost and the effect on the wider economy. And this is the point. You know, when you're talking about putting when people sort of go and look at the amount we spend on fire prevention to, uh, to help fire services out. Look at the amount we spend on health and safety generally to try and help the NHS out. Look in Britain, good example. What has the motto been? Stay home, protect the NHS, save lives. That's why we've all been under lockdown. Why? Because prevention, deterrence, is far better than actually having to fight the battle. It's cheaper and it's safer and it's more it's economically better. The trouble is the politicians go, but it won't be on my watch. It happens because I'll be able to negotiate. I'll be strong enough. I'll be able to talk it out. And therefore, I can save this money and put it on a different program that's the mm. trouble you're dealing with a load of people who think who actually believe they they have the ability to negotiate their way
0: out of a paper bag <clears throat> we need a few more engineers in parliament
1: oh god we need a no. few pe- we need a few more people with greater than room temperature iq in parliament <laughs> but i think there's actually a disqualification criteria because frankly i think if anyone with any with heart, any degree of brains entered the Parliament and had to sit there and listen to them witter and natter on for more than a few days. They'd probably take that mace and <laughs> smash half of them into a into a fine paste. Vagon, vagon hey,
0: poetry recital. Mm.
1: I, I think I ha- think I'd rather go to that than listen to the proceedings <laughs> of Parliament. I've I, I've been forced to occasionally for various reasons, and yeah, the the whole urge to kill rising element comes in.
2: I oh, I have actually sat in a local council meeting where someone was asking about was it um, this could have been put in a really intelligent way apart from the question was about pur- uh, purport- uh, purchase of bin car uh, bin lorries dustbin lorries and they were going but is this uh, shouldn't we be thinking of a more socialist way to do this and i was sitting there going it's refuse collection <laughs> the bin men turn a uh, bin men and ladies bin people turn up one day a week uh, on day a week they pick up the bins they take it away that is by definition a social contract between the council but where are we procuring them from We cannot build a factory in our borough to build bin lorries. We are not going to be ordering enough to justify setting up a freaking factory. You have like three companies you can order them from in Europe. Pick one. Go with it. It really doesn't matter.
0: But that doesn't apply to your um, armored vehicles.
2: Well, armoured vehicles, you're buying several hundred of. And with bin lorries, if they were bought on a county or a a county level, you could probably justify more. But if you're buying them on a national scheme, then you probably would have a factory in the UK. But the thing is, bin lorries in the UK are bought by individual councils, which might be buying at best a dozen.
0: I've always felt that local councils were the most redundant tier of government.
1: I'm very redundant from local. (laughs) (laughs) Your local
2: council has managed to bankrupt one of the few London boroughs, which was actually doing financially okay 10 years ago.
1: My my local council, I think, has has, owes more money than more, more, has more debt than I think the uh, national debt of Bolivia, which is an entire (laughs) country. Um, Bolivia's GDP was. Okay, Bellevue's got a slightly greater national debt than Croydon Council, but it's in actually it's in the same order of magnitude. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's an entire country of seven okay. a bit million people. So, so basically, what you guys are
0: saying is Australia, don't hold your breath. We're not really sure we're going to be able to do anything to help you guys. We'll be there. Yeah, um, yes, we'll be there.
2: what we can actually well, look, do.
0: tell you what, tell you what, 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 maybe what you could do in preparation. Is maybe you can start converting a few of those shoals in your background there, um, Dr. Clark, into bunk beds for my kids, so that when we're refugees, we've got somewhere to move into.
2: <laughs> don't worry, don't worry. We will do. Uh, I, I will set up facilities for you.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, uh, it, in the unlikely event that someone actually sane and intelligent gets into parliament, they might actually, you know, build a navy that makes China sit up and take notice for more than it takes for them to just roll over laughing. Um, at which point we would be a credible threat other than, bef- until then, unfortunately, I think it's going to have to be a case of yep. taking inspiration from Voltron and um, make trying to make desperately make plans with the Royal Canadian Navy, the Royal Australian Navy and the Royal New Zealand Navy to try and combine our ships and into this... some kind of giant mech Pacific Rim style mecha <laughs> that can pick up the Chinese Navy and throw it onto land the the only the only concern I have with any of these ideas um, is the fact that you probably hey, need
2: I to take over. My idea you, you probably
0: need to to retake large swathes of Africa, India, possibly the United States, back under the Union Jack in order
1: to be able to afford all of this. We can afford it. We just keep wasting the money on other things like random contracts to hot dog producing companies for PPE for the NHS.
2: <laughs> oh, don't get me started on some of the random stuff we've done. Um, let, I mean... Let's be honest. If you added up all the money that's been wasted on projects which have got to almost the and then been cancelled in British history, you'd be absurd. Here's a good example, right? So, originally, the Invincible class were not actually being built for the Sea Harrier. This is the one of the, uh, this is one of the myths that comes up. The British were working on the Hawker Siddeley P one one five four. That was a supersonic vertical short takeoff and landing aircraft, which was actually what they're working on before uh, they, after they'd worked on the Harrier, well, no, after they'd worked on the Kestrel, which then they go back to and then turn into the Harrier. And it was worked for the Royal Navy and the Royal Navy and then uh, Royal Air Force and the Royal Navy. And then basically they were told by the Labour government that to cancel the project and procure phantoms because that would be cheaper. So the Labour government decided that they were going to cut the British project, which was expensive and I must admit running a bit late, but looked like it could actually do something quite interesting, in favour of buying American because it would be cheaper. And you sit there and go, okay. And this means that then, of course, they can cut, they then a couple of years later cut the carriers. So you can't even take the cheaper American aircraft down south of you when in 1982 you have a freaking war. Whereas if you kept this project going, you'd have probably had the Vincible Class anyway. They'd have been slightly bigger under those plans.
0: It's, it's, it's about 5,000
2: more tons, and they have a supersonic fighter on them.
0: It, it's a problem that is, seems to be rather generic. I mean, how many US projects have been cancelled, and how many, you know, you, you name it. Just about every Western power has had a large list of very expensive projects cancelled. Um, I'm wondering whether the Australian uh, submarine is going that way.
2: And the nicest mm. way, if it gets cancelled, you guys are in trouble. You're going to have to do a crash program somewhere to get something for the Collins, because there's only so many dives those hulls can do. This is what people forget about submarines. They go, they're really cool, really advanced. The limitation on a submarine is not its reactor, it's not its crew, it's not its engine, it's not anything. Like that. It's the hull life. It's kind of like fast aircraft, yeah, and if, the, the cracks in the wings from going supersonic.
1: The other thing that can, if I can just point this out. Um, although real term are um, sorry in nominal terms our UK defense budget in the past couple of years has only just crept back above the defense budget as it was in 2010 before that ridiculous SDSR um,
0: which is
2: basically cuts cuts and more cuts
1: yeah it was basically scrap everything because we can't be bothered to figure out a way to actually deal with things properly um, but in real that's nominal and it's a 2010 pounds versus 2020 pounds uh 2021 but in real terms the defense budget is still well below what we were spending in 2010 and in 2010 we were running three dinky carriers rather than two serious ones amongst other things um, and we actually had a fleet. No, air
2: off. technically, well, did we have three or four dinky aircraft as We had Ocean and the. Well, we weren't running
1: Harriers off of Ocean.
2: So no, I'm just but talking in terms us... of it, it,
1: ships. We were actually flying aircraft from. To be realistic, o- Ocean, Ocean it... at that point was a helicopter assault ship, which we don't even have one of anymore, unless we repurpose Prince of Wales. At which point we only have one carrier. This is the kind yeah. of the point. We've, yeah
2: this is the point we, we had four flight decks so we could usually have two yeah. available so we could do both jobs at once
1: yeah and i mean it, it, it you've also got all this other stupid malarkey about lumping in defense pensions into the defense spending so that we can claim we've cl- cleared over the two percent nato target which is basically <clears throat> a blatant lie um so if if you actually unfortunately
2: Fordham, po- on that only works so long as the people with pe- uh, people receiving pensions are still breathing
1: yeah but if you, if you actually now, go
2: but po- I mean, why are being so, quite so careful about the people who are, are veterans sorry <laughs> if this you, is a, a if, if you
1: go via the, the international standard for what actually constitutes defense spending not what the politicians can pretend constitutes defense spending we spend 1.7% of gdp on the defense budget uh, Jamie will be happy to know Australia actually spends 0.2% more than that. So only recently,
0: a, only recently.
1: Yeah, but a, a, uh, as, as a proportion of GDP, Australia is currently spending more than us. Um, so is China, shockingly. So is France. Um, so is India. So is South Korea. So is the US, obvious, for rather obvious that, reasons.
0: None of us, none of us have to pay for Brexit for Brexit though. So.
1: Um, France has to pay for being France, so I'm, I'm genetically obligated as an Englishman to say that. Um,
2: to be honest, France has enough issues, they have Macron as president.
1: Yes. Um, yeah yeah, I know. think they do better with a macaroon as president, <laughs> but that's that's a complete different, uh, different conversation. But no, seriously, it's if Ch- China is spending has a bigger GDP and is spending more of that GDP the us obviously has a bigger gdp and we know historically it has always loved throwing hilarious piles of money at its military um, uh, Not very effectively historically, uh, uh, well in the last, the last 50 to 80 years they have um, yes. which for, for the sake of a modern navy is really all that matters so yeah it, it it's we can spend more money on the navy if we wanted to um, There's
2: no reason we couldn't put it up another 0.5% and not feel the and not feel the burn. Yeah. In fact, honestly, we could get it to 2.2 and be quite happy.
1: Yeah. Well. The, the, so the UK defence budget, um, of course, the Guardian is saying that it's all pointless because, of course, they do. Um, <laughs> but I mean, our, our budget. To be
2: honest, I think sometimes the Guardian and the BBC both believe their own hubris on this front. And you sit there and go, but then you're two days later, you're shouting at the British government to go and do something about some problem with some nasty warlord or something. Someone Who do you think the government's going to send? Someone with a nastily worded note? If they're going to fix these problems or deal with these people being a-holes, the only option is that it is going to be the armed forces going. That means they need to be paid for.
1: Yeah. um, I'm just trying to find out. Here we go. Country military expenditure. So if you convert it into dollars, because everybody apparently works in dollars these days. um, Last year, the UK had a defense budget of about just a fraction under $49 billion. um, And spending at 1.7% realistically, once you when when you calculate that properly so if you take that I'd by that and we so let's say we're increasing it by half a percent so we're actually going up to actual 2.2 yep. percent rather than nominal that immediately puts the budget up not including the boost the sort of the short-term boost that's recently been announced um up to 63 billion dollars um, and that's using the Cypri m- uh, measurement. I know IISS uses a different one that puts it higher. But if you if you go by their way of measuring it, which thinks the UK is spending sixty one point five already, um, then divide that by uh, the seventeen, and then multiply it up by. Don't they
2: include pensions and all sorts of things? Yes, there that's once.
1: why it looks it looks artificially higher. Um, so. That takes up to just a fraction under 80 billion. So either way, we're talking about, I mean, 48 to 63 is about 15. Um, 62 to 80 is about 17, 18, 17, 18. So let, let's let's cut the out. Let's sort of roughly median it out and say 16 billion dollars, um, which is for those. 12 views, billion
2: pounds roughly.
1: Yeah. Um, and I don't want euros.
2: It's currently 0.75, isn't it?
1: It's all over the place. It was 0.77 a little bit ago. Um, $16 billion actually at the moment is £11.5 billion. So you could buy a lot of ships with £11.5 billion a year. (laughs)
2: Well, You, know, you could the, buy the US a lot Navy... of tanks, you could do a lot of stuff for the Air Force, you could fix a lot of problems with that amount of money going into that. Wasn't uh, it, was not,
0: it was not only a couple of months ago the US Navy was talking about spending $147 billion to buy 82 new ships by 2026? Mm-hmm. I think that was only a, a few months ago. This yeah. is their response to the um, Chinese shipbuilding ber- splurge, whether it's got past, you know... To the whether that's carried over to the new um, administration, of course, is another matter altogether. But that's still an awful lot I of money. I don't
2: think Biden's going to cut a shithole. I mean,
1: what, what's the what's the? I mean, okay. So the Type 45s were supposedly a billion a pop, roughly.
2: They were four hundred and eighty million a pop. A billion a pop is when you include their research and development funds. Yes. So, so honestly, let, let's you assume could, we, you could let, churn out another six of them for. Yeah, but let, let's like assume 3 3 that
1: we want pounds. we want uh, a, 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 an E class. I'm going to call it the E class because I'm saying it. So yeah, <laughs> um, all right. Let's assume we want. You just want an, an Enterprise. Yeah, basically HMS Emerald, HMS Enterprise. Let's get all the good names back. But if we <laughs> if we have an E class air defense destroyer and we go with two sets of forty eight, you know the the one of the designs that was ruled out with the two forty-eight cell sets plus the 16 Mark V uh, strike length VLS and only the single helicopter capability. So a really, really mean, heavily equipped air defense destroyer and we'll incorporate research and development costs. And for whatever reason, we're going to say we're only going to build another six of them. So let, it's going to cost probably around about a billion, just over a billion um, per unit, per unit.
0: Yeah.
1: with that defense budget increase you could pay for the entire run in the first year up front in cash and you'd still have about 40 percent of your defense increase left to spend on everything else and i mean just with that you could in that what first year you could pay up front for a new carrier the retrofit program to put some kind of electronic catapult on the existing carriers plus your destroyers and you probably still have some pocket change, so the next year you could pay for the submarines and the frigates. And but to do that, to do that though, you've got to stop building all those bypasses. Eh, yeah. yeah, we well, can put a bypass. <laughs> we can make make the carriers into a bypass, use them as temporary bridges when the whilst they when they're uh, not in service. I'm sure that would prove popular. They're long enough, and, oh. I, and I think the, the whole ramp thing would be very in- entertaining at the end.
2: That'd be me and my Subaru. <laughs>
1: If, if you <laughs> yeah. own a slow car, you will now die. Um, but uh, but no, uh, it's it, seriousness. It's like you could pay. You could do cash upfront purchases for the entire expansion plan and more that we've discussed, probably in the first two to three years. And given that these ships are going to take, even if the shipyards go full bore, are probably still going to take the better part of a decade to crank them all out. That means you've got another, you've got the other six seven years worth of the defense budget increase to throw at the air force and the army so that they don't feel left out um and and to be perfectly honest i think we especially if you're looking at western pacific region you probably do need to go back to more of a traditional balance for for the the british armed forces the the army historically compared to our, our overall history in the past 50 60 years has had a disproportionately large amount of the overall budget because We've been sitting, or well, the British Army of the Rhine, waiting for the Russians to come. Um, if we're going to acknowledge that, A, the Russians... And, and that's a deterrent that worked. Yes, but at this point, we've got to acknowledge that the Russians probably aren't coming, and if they, even if they are, um, the Poles can probably handle a fair bit. They're quite paranoid. They have quite a lot of tanks, and the rest of Europe's probably got enough to pile in, so we don't actually need the british army of the rhine anymore we still need a reasonably powerful british army but we probably
2: have to have the british army of norway to help out norwegians because hmm. the russians might decide they're going to circumvent the polish and their rather large collection of tanks but of we, many we, many types we can many 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 types
1: <laughs> But the thing is we can quite we can quite easily just sit there and go, okay we, we'll I mean, the army at its size at the moment is probably a fraction too small, but we can keep it at that size and maybe increase it a, a little bit. The RAF needs a bit of love and attention, but the Navy probably needs to be the single largest spending priority going forward. Mm. Because we're not going to get in a land war with China, or if we are, it's not going to last very long. Um, and... With
0: well, the great, well, if, you- if
1: you are, gonna, you're, in, you're, in, you're in a lot of trouble yeah and and with the greatest with the greatest respect to poor old australia it makes a wonderful unsinkable aircraft carrier but we don't actually have any aircraft that can get to china from australia (laughs) so um we 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 need more fighters for defense on on, yeah defending australian airspace but we're not going to be getting into a um a land-based air war with china anytime soon either so does
2: anyone want to go for the joy of trying to deploy Eurofighters to australia
0: I was going to say, if you're going to do that, you'll have to probably have to bring your own airfields because I think we've only got about three or four up there, and uh, they won't last long. Yeah, but but (laughs) so at that point, if we if we are seriously,
2: you're not exactly a small place. Build some and just let your uh, kangaroos secure them.
0: The 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 island's a big place. Mm. The population isn't. Yeah, but the thing yes, is, if, we've if,
2: got hordes of assassin kangaroos and armies of emus, use them to secure your facilities. I'm that sure
1: there's some old war. one war airfields sitting under the sand somewhere near Darwin that we can dig up. <laughs> but um, but we no, but seriously, it's, at that point. It, it kind of illustrates the point we are the if we're going to be going into the pacific and let's face it whether you want to call it a tilt to the pacific a pivot to the pacific let's be perfectly brutal and honest it's to confront china that's yeah. what the purpose of the whole thing is for if you're going to confront china and you're the uk the only way you're doing that is by sea so actually build a navy that you can do that
2: and <laughs> um, stick some euro fighters in australia actually do <laughs> fall. But, you know the same as we've done with the falklands put four there and put the base for a squadron there and go look it, we've got four there we've got a ready uh, we've got a flight permanently in Australia to, to help to our allies air defense
0: we can deploy a squadron yeah. forward given, just, 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 don't, just, just don't send us your army because we don't want them to do
1: the Nick stuff no and given given that we've given actually
2: <laughs> so actually the... rule out the entire British armed forces if you don't want them to the mix stuff. <laughs>
1: Given given that we um given that what they call the base in the Falklands already, we can even call it we're building the second Death Star. Mm. Build the second Death Star in northern Australia. We've got Skynet already. We're looking at uh, various unmanned systems, so we can put drones under the control of Skynet. With ultimate command control authority based on the second Death Star, what could possibly go wrong? Well
0: we could, we can make Dr. Clark Graham off Tarkin, and I'm sure you can paint paint some of your armor black. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it'll be good yeah. old Empire days again.
2: Yeah. Yeah, have you noticed how he's done this? I'm Tarkin, you're
1: <laughs> Vader. Vader. <That laughs> I have the sword. He's
2: the Emperor. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he wants lightning hands, doesn't he? <laughs>
1: Well, I, th- I think Jamie just realizes that since he's the one who's actually based in Australia at the moment, he does need some kind of hood to keep himself, keep the sun off of him. <laughs> oh, no, solar powered. Yep. Yeah, And of course, that means you have to, of course, that means Dr. Clark, you've got to walk around with a snazzy uniform, but also slippers.
2: Okay, that's fine. I've got the slippers.
1: Got the
2: slippers. <laughs> yeah. There you go. I need over somewhere. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, yeah. So, uh, sorry, I'm a little bit ranty, but today. But it, to be fair, both you and I have been. The, the, one good thing. One good thing about Australia, though, is we don't have an exhaust port. Yes. Oh, that's good. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's it just it doesn't irritate me when politicians overpromise and act. Try and act like they, they try and act as if we actually still had the grand fleet and while simultaneous, and the, the Royal Navy wouldn't necessarily be opposed to building a modern grand fleet, but the government refuses to pay for it.
2: I think the Royal Navy wouldn't uh, w- would be sort of opposed to trying to build it in man immediately. They'd probably go, right, and we need to crew this, which means we need about a decade or so to warm up, because we need it to start
1: take getting... Take to ship, yeah. Yeah, but China's China's not... I mean, it's bigger than the Royal Navy at the moment, but it's not quite to the level of having full-on... Like super carrier battle groups, just yet. They've they've got a few years to go on that. And to be perfectly honest, the one area where we probably do still have superiority is underwater, because modern submarines are hard. <laughs> you could build destroyers easily enough, but modern subs are a whole other level. So
0: a little bit of so Under, Underwater, they haven't really figured out area denial systems that apply underwater yet either. Mm. So you know. Uh, you, in all of this you've gotta think, you know, are oh, surface ships worthwhile. And um, yeah, frankly, I don't think the they are at the moment.
2: They mm. are because there's a single problem with it. If you want to do deterrence, you need the surface ship. Yeah. That's the trouble. No. If you wanna fight your convoys through, if you wanna have support for your Marines ashore or troops ashore, if you want to have your caravala group, you need surface ships. Mm. If you want to do deterrence in peacetime, you need surface ships. Because you need and that
0: visibility but if you, if you I, want if you want if you want surface ships that stay on the surface, you're gonna need more than thirty or forty VLS cells.
2: Mm-hmm. yes you'll get, you yep. can't afford that you have to be looking at building third rates
1: yeah and 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 more astutes for or, or well I suppose the astutes of the a class so what 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 are the good B names? Ben is a good one. can have HMS Ben bow back.
2: Well we do have HMS Hanson coming, so
1: Ben mm-hmm. bowo yes uh, Udica battleaxe. Battleaxe, oh yeah, that's a good one.
2: Or oh. Beaver. Brave.
1: Fighter. <laughs> Beaver's
2: good. Beaver is always good. Um, HMS Bashful
0: was always a fun one. Mm. Yeah. Yep. Brilliant. Bonaventure.
1: Yeah. Well, you could that, would be Bristol as well.
0: Yeah.
1: Bristol no, no, sub. Uh, possibly, I mean, come on, Bristol underwater has a certain amount of hilarious connotation for anyone yes. who lives in the UK. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh, that it does!
1: But no,
2: and also, uh, you see, the thing is, again, I'm starting. The more and more I'm starting to think about, we do need to have a cruiser again. We need okay. to start having.
1: Yeah. I, you, you know, my thoughts on on my lovely uh, twenty-plus thousand-ton trimaran battle cruiser. <laughs> yeah,
2: but we are. We need. I, 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 think if you are going to do do it properly and do the farries properly, you do probably need that third aircraft carrier. And honestly, you need to have three to four of the LHDs. And they need to all be able to take F-35Bs. They need to all be able to take Merlins and Chinooks. So you can basically go all their successors. Right then, we have then got seven flight decks. And whilst three are strike, air defense orientated, and four are amphibious operated, air orientated, if we have a really eh, bad situation happen, we can use these as our flight decks for uh the amphibious oriented flight decks as our as our flight decks for strike and air defense, or we can use our air defense and strike flight decks for amphibious operations that makes sense especially when you're a smaller power like Britain and you're going with it but it's going it, getting that funding is a long term so this is another reason why I have my solution the bilge pumps party <laughs> yeah. We oh, decided no, we become the new political party that runs Britain. <laughs> Let's be honest. Our slogan would be, it's not politics, it's common sense.
0: <laughs> that sounds like a political party uh, phrase to me. <clears throat> look, yeah, look, yeah, I think we'll just file this whole thing under Plan Z. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, see what happens. Is
2: that Plan Z behind the cheetah or the Jaguar? <laughs>
1: The cheetah or the Jaguar? Or the and sixteen, the 16 foot leopard.
0: <laughs> oh okay. Yes well <clears throat> Hitler's plan Z, yes, would be in the um basement of a uh, local government <laughs> filing filing service with uh, without any lights and without any stairs, for, most certainly. I think it was that it was definitely the case for um Nazi Germany. Hmm. Oh
2: yeah. Uh, e yeah. um, Weird place. All right, so what's up next week? Next week, we have whether the correct lessons from history are being learned, or whether we're trying to learn lessons from myths. And we have
0: um, a very nice guy called Paul coming on from World War II TV. Sounds good, because it sounds very relevant, because there's just so much mythology out there.
2: Yeah, I'm basically going to just start you two on Douglas MacArthur, and then me and Drac are going to sit back and just go, yeah, do you fancy some more brew? Yeah, have some more cookies.
0: <laughs> oh no, there's, there's many more than just uh, MacArthur.
2: Ah, oh, I, I know. Um, it's gonna be fun. We are,
0: as I said, me and Draco are planning on sitting, is, it, watching, it, it, and it, eating popcorn. Is the um, is the Spitfire a sacred cow? Oh God. Uh, At the amount of times I have to
2: explain to people that the Spitfire is a very lovely aircraft, but it's an interceptor. It's designed as an interceptor. It does great as an interceptor. But the rest of the war it's basically being modified for jobs. (laughs) And most of the modifications are take away the things which make it a great interceptor to try and turn into something else.
0: Yes. So, uh, yeah. case in point. Mm. There's a bit of mythology beyond the old Spitfire as well. Yeah. That sounds interesting. All right. So, okay, okay. and uh, I'm sure that in the meantime, uh, by the time we get back, you will both have lobbied your um, local um, parliamentary mops and uh, got them to um, adjust the defence budget. I lobbied think they have the or. Same MP. Lobbied or lobbed? Well, either one, whichever causes them to. Uh, mm. h- how about tilt them? Mm, I'm uh, liking the words lobbed, tilt. Because window short, I, seem oh, I, high medieval, I seem to remember tilt building I seem to remember tilt has a certain medieval connotation that you would probably um, like to apply yeah, I could challenge them to a tilt
2: our local MP is Chris Grayling he is about seven
1: foot tall. That's alright, he's not very good on a horse so if I challenge him to a tilt <laughs> I, yes that works because I challenge him to a tilt He
2: has a very long reach I Yes, but
1: I know back. how to use a lance, so <laughs> I challenge him to the tilt, I beat him at the tilt I thus become the MP I
2: don't think it works I that think, way, but we can try I, I'm, I'm fairly I'm sure, sure that's I'm how sure it works I'm you're in, in in in
1: in in Magna, Magna Carta that will support that Yeah. I I challenge him to the tilt with the prize being his position as MP. I become the MP. I am then in a position to challenge Boris Johnson to, I don't know, armored melee combat. (laughs) Thus, I become the Prime Minister in two easy steps. And anyone else who wants to become Prime Minister has to challenge me to a sword fight. Just challenge him (laughs) to an
0: arm wrestle. Just, you know, that'll be enough.
2: Mm. Seriously, the poor man's hand covered. He's, He's not very strong. Go for it.
1: Take the week.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. We'll catch you guys
0: next week then. Yeah. All right. Take care. Welcome to the Bilge Pumps, where a bunch of naval geeks spout off.